Magic Without Fears Hermetic Podcast. I'm your host, Frater R.C. For more and exclusive episodes, visit magicwithoutfears.com. Thank you for your support. All right. We are here. Welcome to Magic Without Fears Hermetic Podcast, bro. We're here with River the Nemeton. Yeah, glad to be here. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, and we also do, doing a little video thing because you have such a nice background behind you. I thought you might have to dial in through the phone, um, but, <laughs> but you know, um, yeah. So what's up? How are you doing? Where are you in the States somewhere? Yeah, yeah, I'm in the States. I'm actually right here in the South, uh, just east of Texas in Louisiana. Oh, right yeah. in the, the pathway? Yeah, I'm next to the, uh, oh, oh, with the hurricane and everything. Yeah, it was. Yeah, that next to the woods. Yeah. Yeah, it was bad. Uh, power was out for eight days over here. It's really? worse than the other areas, but yeah, it was out for about eight days. I ended up going, uh, I ended up going to the beach in Alabama to get away from it. Hung out at wow. a condo. Yeah. Now, as you were just demonstrating to me offline, you're, you, you have slightly uh, some, some technical skills that were impressive to me um and made me feel my age a bit too much um and i appreciate for you showing me those little technical skills maybe as a result of them we'll be doing this podcast every every interview live which is my real desire but um as a magical person i i'm guessing you uh have the ability to disconnect and and not lose your mind <laughs> i feel i feel targeted uh directly about this yeah yeah i do have an ability to disconnect uh rather well i had a very specific situation go on recently uh it was to me specifically mostly dealing with the enochian stuff um that i just wasn't set up for also general life things you know what i mean not not all of it's magically uh related uh just general life stuff a little bit of a cult spin and uh, yeah, I, I didn't really lose my stuff, but I was in a, um, a very strange emotional mental state that was making it hard for me to see like uh, a few doing this. But of course, obviously, that's that's absurd. The real insanity is thinking that I'm not going to make videos because I mean, man, I've been making videos for years now. It's, it's like all I do. It's yeah. I mean, I work. But. I've noticed you have like, what, like a thousand followers on YouTube, something like that. 13,000, right? right? Oh, 13,000. That's right. You're a fucking little occult influencer. No, I don't. don't I don't want to be an influencer. <laughs> no? I don't want to be an influencer. What, I, I, what I worry if about your that. generation of people who have these massive followings don't want to be influencers, but find themselves in the de facto roles of influencers for the very community that they want to help? But if they abdicate that responsibility, what does that say for the community and 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 the loss of potential that that you guys could serve i'll, I'll tell you what people I'll, who don't know how obe works I'll, I'll tell you what'll happen there are people out there who want to be occult influencers there's plenty of them they find interest in these things they want to be special uh it more of the the popularity persona situation the cult of personality type of thing uh considering that uh, you ask a very good question. Well, what if, you know, um, especially if I deny the possibility of having some swing in occult spaces, uh, 
then that just gives the room for someone else to do it, which is in a, in a weird way, a denial of responsibility. Uh, it'll be thrown at me at some point or another, I'm sure. Uh, at least uh, the position of where I have to say something. And I have said things before, uh, particularly on like the closed aspects of the Kabbalah, right? That was a big thing for a while on the internet. Is Kabbalah closed? All this jazz and mumbo jumbo, uh, mostly because it falls into like politi po political discussion uh, nowadays, which of course I'm of the mindset that Kabbalah is not closed. In fact, a variety of the Rabbanan, even from the 1800s would absolutely agree with that. So it's uh, one of those things, you know, I, I feel like there are points where it's proper for me to state my opinion on something, but because I'm so centralized in a specific space, I don't often need to share my opinion on things. And I feel like the influencer concept is a person who typically just tries to sling their opinions around and make comments and quips and statements, even if they're not relevant. That's, I guess that's why I'm weird about the influencer terminology. Mm -hmm. Do, do I have an influence though? Anyway, I mean, of course, right? We all do. Uh, well, some, have, some have, more than others. Some fourteen thousand subscribers more than others. Thirteen thousand. Thirteen thousand. Well, after yeah. this, it'll be fourteen, since uh, all five of my listeners will uh, subscribe, <laughs> and I know math good, so you'll get to that fourteen thousand k. <laughs> yeah well i also i just like to uh i like to hang out and talk cultism you know I've, I've i've had the privilege of getting to do little discussions like this with other like esotericists and esoterically minded people magically minded people and uh it's always like so awesome you know to just kind of like bounce ideas back and forth or just discuss like the general things because i, I think community is a big part of esotericism anyway i mean what is magic and all these things without the human element and the human element really demands like a bit of social engagement, you know, a little bit of tethering, so to say. Uh, so I think there's a lot of power in, you know, th this kind of talking discussion dynamic, very similar to uh, like mouth to ear learning and stuff like that. I think there's a lot to that. Yeah. It's fun. one of the people in my cyber guild, um was actually just talking asking me questions that touch on this today and we were talking about the thelema gd thing and he was saying um because he's encountering he's a mason he he likes the gd stuff and you know got himself robe and nemesis and even the sash even a neophyte sash which no one's ever worn we never wear the neophyte sashes except for you get them put on at the end of the neophyte initiation and then they take them back because you don't mm. keep them. You, you you get your own actual sash and zealotor when you enter the tree um, but he was asking about uh, Thelema. He, he was hearing that Thelema had, sort of claims that the GED initiations no longer work, which Thelema has claimed that, Crowley has claimed that, that they no longer yeah, work, that, yeah, that Aeonis are weird. And, and, and he said, what do you think about that? And I, we had a long sort of back and forth. And I said actually a few good, I actually surprised myself with some of the points I made. But the main point I always make that is that like when Crowley kept, when he changes, like the, uh, you know, I'm an Aquarius. So when Crowley changed Sadi, the star from Aquarius, that pisses Aquarians off. But more importantly, it breaks down the ability for us to communicate within the Western mystery tradition. So if you, if you keep, if you personalize everything, you can do that. You can make everything your own way and do it your own way. But what you lose is the ability to communicate with other people. And, oh yeah. And that's what I see happening. Um, the more people personalize. And that's what Crowley and Thelema wanted to do it, to a large extent. And we can see it now biting them in the ass with uh, so many OTO people were, you know, sort of 
tossed out the other year. I don't know if you know about that, but but like there's there's yeah, movements within yeah. that whole thing going on. There's the Richard Davis and the the gender issues with the roles of the in the Gnostic Mass is an issue. But but really, what 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 is I think just counterproductive is is the um, yeah the 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 tweaking of, of systems just enough so that we can't don't have common ground to, to, to work with each other. And it's right. interesting because there's an uh, Argentium Mastrum initiate here in Vancouver, who I've known for a couple of years, and we're doing work together now with other magicians here now that, that we're legally allowed to a little bit. Um, we're locking down again, of course, hardcore in, in very yeah. soon on the 13th. Um, and uh, it's interesting to work with an AA guy because they definitely still acknowledge the GD, but see it as an outer order to their system, which is weird because they see it as the outer of their order, but they don't actually understand it. I mean, you might come across the odd AA adept who does understand the GD system on its own terms, but that would be extremely rare, extremely right. rare. And, 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 and all of this has already been talked about quite intelligently by Marco Visconti. He, he's really, you know, covered the bases. And yeah. also Rufus Opus has, has spent more time with GD people in recent years and has said some things that surprised a lot of the GD community. And I'm like, that's my point. I was quoting him because they're like, this sounds very odd that RO said that. I'm like, that's why I'm telling you he said that because it's showing, you know, as we communicate more across boundaries with each other and build bridges we we change we learn we grow like i never used to think that i would work with a, an aa initiate at all at all but right. we can totally work together we there but we're also noticing the areas in which there's a major disconnect oh yeah well and of course that's a thing you know so like for example i was always a really big fan i should say of uh make sure I leave a chat. I was sitting here that whole time. Whoops. I was always a, a very big fan of essentially, you know, Jewish Kabbalah. I, I, I didn't really blend into Hermetic Kabbalah until much, much later, which surprises many people, uh, especially because I have a, a pretty express interest in ceremonial magic. And that comes from my, my, my Freemasonic background really do ceremonial magic in the way that we often think of it but uh i do personally Your brother Mason love as well? yes yeah i was raised in 2014 i want to say it's been a while it's been it's been a lot i'm a lot older than people think i am actually <laughs> I'm, I'm much closer to 30 than, than the average person would suspect but yeah i was raised in like that's 2014. what i tell people too I, yeah, yeah, no, that, that's correct. I I was initiated in 2013, and I was raised about six months later in 2014, which is very fast. I think in Europe it's it's a little bit slower for Blue Lodge, yeah. uh, but in America it's as fast as you can catechism. If as fast as you can catechism, you can pretty much do it and get scheduled for your next degree. Uh, which of course I was a fanatic, uh, yeah. and I ended up doing a bunch of lectures. Uh, sorry, that's very tangential. Uh, I got distracted. So coming back to like what you were discussing, this kind of like disconnect between uh, information based on how it's presented itself uh, in a particular system, right? So like Jewish Kabbalah and Hermetic Kabbalah have a lot of similarities and at the same time don't line up. What one finds valuable, the other one does not. That tends to be a big deal. Uh, they share a lot of similar spaces that like let's look at the LBRP, right? The particular elemental associations uh, with direction and uh, like this ferothic layout, as you can kind of imagine yourself being is essentially Tiferet, right? 
uh, and having the, the forces about you and you have all the archangel names and such. These correspondent ideas, or I should just say correspondences and the usage of correspondences is so popular in Jewish Kabbalah as well, uh, particularly in Kabbalah Ma'asi, the practical Kabbalah, which tends to be like your amulet creation and everything like that. Um, but the language and nature of it has shifted so much. It's almost as if they don't really have common ground aside from pictorial things, right? They have pictorial similarities and that's uh, like the, the, the diagram, right? Of, of the, spheral, the spherotic forces or sephiroth, right? Um, I mean, even our paths are labeled with different letters and things like that, you know what I mean? We have a different pathing system. Yeah. Uh, and the means by which you move through those is also different, right? So we don't really see a lot of scrying in traditional uh, Jewish Kabbalah, but that's also not true. So it's, it's really, it's a weird situation where uh, it, when we see this kind of scrying, this meditative in, in it, it, investigation, so to say, of like the Sephiroth and everything, uh, or, you know, uh, maybe a particular uh, invoking of, you know, a spherotic form, or maybe you're working with like planetary spirits that, you know, you're tying it to the astrological movements and maybe you use the, the planet associated with a particular spherot or your understanding of that spherot in the practice to kind of connect you a little bit further, however you want to do it. Uh, we don't, again, don't really see that in the Judaic style, but there are stories of rabbinical individuals like Isaac Luria who could technically uh, at least by technically what I mean is, is documented that they could go to those places, not physically, but in, in a spiritual, mental, and emotional way. They could go to the different Sparot. Um I don't believe we would see this nearly as popular until the advent of someone like Eliphas Levi, right? I believe Eliphas is like a granddaddy of, of a lot of what we do today, you know, um, his his uh, ritual and high magic is uh, so fundamental. It's, it's really, really amazing. I, I actually love that book. I think a lot of people read it and don't care for it too much, but like there's a lot in there that you wouldn't even recognize if you weren't at least a little knowledgeable about Jewish Kabbalah, which is like um, uh, he mentions the flipping of the Tetragrammaton, right? Uh, flipping it backwards. And there's like a great secret there. There is a secret there uh but you have to be able to read it to know what it is or use the hand sign of the Kohen Gadol right so like that's a thing and he has all the writings and inscription and everything like uh with all of its relevances and correspondences so there is common ground because Hermetic Kabbalah comes from Christian Kabbalah and Christian Kabbalah comes from Jewish Kabbalah around the 1600s or so if I remember the date correctly uh out in the Mediterranean like towards Sicily and Italy uh, so like we do, we have common space, but yeah, you're right. As time goes on, we, as every hand in mind that touches a system alters it so slightly. I think that's the way that I like to put it. And Crowley is interesting because he didn't want to just touch someone else's system. He really wanted his own, right? Like he, the advent of Thelema. Uh, was going to be so personalized, you know, and I know he gets a lot of flack for his cult of personality style. And I don't even know if he truly intended that um, be because there are times when his quotes seem as if he wouldn't want that, but then there's 
actions that would suggest that he would want that. So it's, it's, you know, it's choppy, but uh, yeah, you know, it, instead of just having his little stamp, so to say on the HOGD, he ripped everything up and started the Lima. And of course there's the book of the law, Libra Vegas, and that does uh, a, a big number to change things into perpetu- you know, uh, perpetually you know because now Thelema is an evolving system in my mind it's consistently moving like you mentioned Marco Visconti right Marco has made some really serious drive like push Thelema on scale in a different direction um and I know he's not like harping on that too much anymore but he still stands by what he says you know and I respect that in a person we needed Uh, someone who from within that world to point the things out that he's pointed out because it's very hard to be critical of the systems that you love and come out of. And, but yeah. if, if, if no one does that at any point, then it's very hard for the rest of us to sort of see what the, the critical issues are. And that I think is really important for magicians is to find out and locate what the critical issues are, because that's where we, where we can really make progress, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's not, it's not the aspects of Enochian magic that we all understand and all do that we can really evolve or, or develop. It's the areas where there's ambiguity and disagreement. That's the areas where we can really, like, you know, for example, the, the debate within the Heptarchia Mystica of the tasks and duties of the kings and princes, right? Leach did a big mm-hmm. reshuffle in an article about that, though it's not in his books. It's just in this article that is somewhat complicated if you don't, well, you can't read it if you don't have a good understanding of the system already, but there's a debate between then him and Stenwick about those, uh, those duties. And that to me is very interesting to note out for people because that's an area where I think there can be more work made. You know, the ambiguities are the areas worth exploring. And so Marco yeah. pointing out the weaknesses in the OTO curriculums and, and different thelemic approaches has, I think, created an openness and awareness within that community to maybe considering the fact that they have something still to learn from other communities. And with a lot of Golden Dawn people also learning more, got, got, we got to know more about Thelema as a result of all that. And I was, I, I was one of the, I, I used to have to turn people down to join Temple Tehuti because they were Thelemic or in the OTO. And, um, hmm. you know, and I, I didn't, we didn't have enough knowledge back then to realize that we might be making a mistake. Right. Right. Well, you know, we didn't understand it's a lifelong fraternity and a religion. We saw it as a competing magical order because many people portrayed it as that, which yeah. did a great disservice to those Thelemites and OTO members who really would have benefited and loved to go through the 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 magical school of the Golden Dawn and, and go through those five, six or seven grades, whatever they feel called to go through and, and take that with them into their practice. And now a word from our sponsors. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, 
prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. At Highland, we're all about celebrating little wins and little ways to innovate digital processes. There's no customer pain point too small for us to help with. Maybe that's why more than half of the Fortune 100 looks to Highland to connect their content and data, improve processes, and turn little efficiencies into big wins for their customers and clients. Highland, intelligent content solutions for innovators everywhere at highland.com. While we cannot control whether any ads get put in the spots allocated, we thank you for listening to those that do since they help keep this project alive. You can also get ad-free content and bonus content and videos and a private webpage by subscribing exclusively to magicwithoutfears.com for only a couple dollars a week or $6 a month or 50 for the year. It helps a lot, plus you get emails about other exclusive things. Thank you very much. Right. Well, and it, it serves us to reason. It's, it's very beneficial for us to consider the fact that there's really nothing new under the sun, right? Everything's the same as it's always been in my mind. There's nothing fresh at the end of the day. Uh, and what I mean by bringing that up is we really don't have a space to disregard other systems unless, of course, they're like dangerous. Uh, but we don't really have a space to disregard other systems because everything is essentially the same Aside from the fact that we use different terminology and maybe the philosophy shifts, the point, I should say, the tier at where it stands in the, like, we might say the grand metaphysical scale might be different, right? Like, uh, not every group or individual is going to understand Nuit as, like, an extensive metaphysical concept. They might see it as more of, like, literal stars, right? Like, like a physical representation. And, and that particular level by which we relate to something individually does cause issues in terms of communication because you might understand it differently than I do. Um, and that was like, uh, I did a Babylon video one time. I did a Babylon video, um, which was a discussion re realistically on uh, my understanding of Jewish Kabbalah and the divine feminine as a portrayal of, or to look at the portrayal of Babylon as a character and kind of put it in the metaphysical scheme as I understand Jewish Kabbalah. Uh, which put Babylon as like Bina. Uh, of course, the daughter of Babylon is the same, the daughter uh, represented in Jewish Kabbalah, which is the second Hevavhe or Malchut. Uh, and then the, the, uh, the most minor form of Babylon, the, the minor receiver is, of course, the individual, right? You. Every individual has a masculine feminine component to them. Uh, and this applies to every situation in life. There's always a sense of reception. Uh, which is really funny, 
uh, it, it, look, I know we're having serious talk, but I thought we could do something a little fun. Um, oh, if the there's ever been a podcast for fun and shit talk, this is the one. Okay. This well, is the podcast so, for anyone listening. If you get like, if, if anyone's life gets ruined and destroyed and they get canceled and they're living under a bridge and they just need to vent their story, this is that podcast. <laughs> this is that one. I invited Talison <laughs> McKnight uh, to come on and tell his story because he's been a character for some years. I don't know anything about him um, at all. And I never, I was not in the scene when he was doing his thing. Um, but I was like, hey, you've been, mm. seems like you've been through a lot. If you want to just come and, seems i don't know anything about the dude but i was like this is the kind of guy who's like if you want to come and just like talk and, and share what you this i there needs to be a place for that right yeah for bits and the 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 marginalized within a marginal law so hey that's good that, yeah you know uh, that's a nice idea it, one thing that's interesting is i've noticed a lot of these new trying to follow very corporate models like trying to oh. produce them in more and more polished and polished way which is really weird given let's say the loosely termed the internet economy has developed that mm -hmm. people are lead the conversation into uh strange place someone for a long form podcast right um the the people who like that the most are are like gen z uh people yeah uh, who yeah who, gen z does like long form this. podcasts they're like i'm like i and i, I was I'm, i was open to changing things and i you know i have a background in invocation demonstrates that i just released this psychedelic uh, version on it's it's online yeah. this little yeah i watched it it's really cool it's really cool uh, like, yeah and weird Eric. if you really focused on that if you you take some much work and then just put on some good headphones and listen to it i swear if you do something we can't have have fun with her along the way right yeah yeah i mean i th i think magic is honestly a space yeah. for entertainment self-entertainment and self-experience and i think self-experience can be enjoyable if you have the right mindset you know and I, I i like that people do stuff like that and have fun yeah there's there's something i think we're forgetting a lot these days and it's like the 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 concept and philosophies represented by the french word jouissance right like sort of joy but mm -hmm. if you think of that um sort of philosophically or especially i guess in semiotic terms as as that which bridges pre-nature into nature so if there's a pre-semiotic nature nature before nature or as goethe would say nature naturing and then there's the nature that comes out that is manifest before us mm -hmm. right that process from one to the other could be described as the act of jouissance nature's self-expression and unfolding through ecstatic joy into manifestation it's a very similar idea to what we see in the symptom of yeah. Kabbalah. yeah yeah it, it does i was thinking that and not only that also the the conceptions around nature already so bina is analogous or not i shouldn't say analogous is essentially anonymous with nature uh <laughs> 
It is. It's a synonym. In a, in a, in a it's a synonym. Way. That's what I'm looking for. In a yeah, in a metaphysical way, it's there's like a, a strange relationship between Bina and Malchut. Right? Yeah. Oh, well, you have the divine sure. mother and Malka, the bride. Yeah, yeah. They're, I mean, they're like the same yet different, uh, and they're represented in similar ways. Oh, which reminds me of the fun thing I was gonna. So for let, you let and me, your. Yeah. Oh, okay. I'll, let me. Yeah. Um, just before we move on, though, the, the interesting thing a lot of people don't realize is in the GD, they correspond really neatly to the specific elements. You know, the specific elements are aligned on the tree as Yud, fire in Hakma, He, right. uh, water in Bina, then Vav, air in Tiferet, and uh, He, final in Malchut. And yeah. so that's where you get the two waters is in the specific elements. Anyway, it's a technical thing. Yeah. I'm not sure how important it is, but continue. No, it's, it's actually not changing subjects. It's, an, it's been a, a little bit of an expansion. Something that a lot of people don't know uh, is in Judaism, they, you know how you were talking about nature's outward expression. No. Uh, Elohim has uh, five letters and nature also is a reduction into five. I actually have a Gematria video that goes into the numerical and like look of Elohim as it relates to the development of the human body. Uh, and the particular five extensions are literally the five appendages, the two legs, the two arms and the head. But of course, then the divine masculine, Elohim being a feminine form, the divine masculine nature is six. Hence we have the six pointed star, which would be like the phallic region, right? Yeah. Uh, also the five fingers, the five toes, those types of things. Now, what's really cool is the tetragrammaton is symbolically represented in the human eye, right? So the white of the eye, like literally the white uh, around the outside of, you know, the iris and the pupil and everything is the yod or the, the consuming all-encompassing fires, so to say, of Atsilut. And if you look very closely, it doesn't matter what color your eye is, go take a look, get a mirror or whatever. Uh, and there is a rim, there's a dark rim around the outside of the eye. It's darker than the iris. Yeah. That's the upper hay. The iris itself is the personalized self-expressing Tiferet, right? It is the, the, uh, the I am portion. Well, I am is more associated with a yay, uh, a yay Asher, a yay, which is tied to Atsilut and Arikan Pin, but that's not really relevant. You know what I mean, though, that, that, that coming into egotistical expression is the color of the iris. And then the pupil, the black pupil, being just like the rim on the outside, the daughter, in a sense, uh, is Malchut, right? So when you see your concentric circle diagrams, if you were to arrange it in four worlds, you could literally draw an eye. Uh, and this is believed to be the eye of providence that many people talk about. It could also be uh, the eye of Arikan Pin. So Arikan Pin being the Yod, in a sense, the divine will, the expression of the divine will has an open eye. That's what they call it. Uh, it comes from Sefer Desniutha, uh, or Desniutha, uh, book of that which is concealed, uh, which is a minor segment of the Zohar, uh, deals with the skull of Arikan Pin, which you know, we do find in the Zohar very lightly in the portions that discuss Genesis. Uh, and we also find more on it in Tikkun HaZohar. But the, the, the reason I was bringing it up is, again, it comes back to that, you know, nurturing nature, nature, nurturing nature, is the idea that metaphysics is either inspired by the physical form, by the human being, the man deifying himself, or if you're a spiritualist, you believe that the divinity has literally expressed itself into the form. So, you know, it, it's a vice versa situation. 
um, very interesting stuff. Um, the tree of life uh, is very cool too. Uh, I think many people disregard some of the minor points. I'd like to just throw one out for entertainment purposes. Please do. Is uh, if you consider, so a lot of people say that the God of the Old Testament's an asshole, right? Which it's kind of it's kind of true, kind of true, right? I've heard a few Gnostics say so after yeah. a few points. Gnostics really like to talk about that sort of thing. They they all they honestly believe it's a different deity. They tend to believe it's Yod Beoth or some other demiurgic figure, depending on who you're talking to. Not all Gnostics even know that name. Uh, well, what's really funny though is uh, if you look at it, uh, the 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 Kabbalistic diagram comes out of the Old Testament explicitly, right? Uh, like it's in the word Bereshit, which means in the beginning. I've done a discussion on this before. The entire Kabbalistic diagram exists in the very first word of the of the Torah. Uh, and another thing that's kind of entertaining about this, the reason that I really want to bring this up is because this divinity chooses, so to say, because we have to assume, if, if we're looking at this from perspective, we have to assume that the Torah is literally written by divine forms. Now, of course, not all Jews believe that. So don't get me confused, right? Not all Jewish people believe that there's seculars and, and atheistic Jewish people. The person who's born Jewish doesn't necessarily agree with what it is that I'm saying. They disagree you remind just me, like everybody else. You reminded me of how upset people get on Justin, Dr. Sledge's uh, live streams when, when they keep trying to like get him as talking about his magical practice and they just can't wrap their head around the fact that not only doesn't he have one, but he doesn't really even believe in the religion that his wife is a rabbi of. And yeah he's a he's a, pra- yeah. he's a practicing jew but he's a dialectical materialist he's a hegelian. yeah yeah he's a hegelian yeah. uh and i don't want to say of a marxist persuasion but he studied the results of the hegelian dialectic in the marx i haven't read his doctoral dissertation the reason being i don't want to but i'm reading his master's dissertation which is on semiotics and john d which is very cool yeah yeah he is very yeah. into enochian um i like he was to actually believe... in class in in amsterdam with my oldest friend from childhood Really? Yeah, they were both there in the same class, along with the guy. The was it Dragon Rouge? Is that a thing? I've I've heard of that. That's, an order, that's a, like a thing. That guy yeah. who was also in that class in those years. I was over in in the UK doing my PhD with Nicholas Goodrich Clark uh, through the Exeter Exeter Citizen Program before he died. Um, wow, that's awesome. So we were all hardcore back then, but but the world changed, brother. The world changed. Yeah, well, yeah. the nature the nature of the beast is different. So here's the thing. Uh, I mean, I guess I should at least finish my my, my original point. Uh, is that the God do. of the Old Testament is not an asshole? So I'll just leave it at that. Yeah. Because the left side is the weaker side. Case yeah. closed. Um, uh, things were just different back then. So uh, another thing. To kind of talk about what you're getting into, the world has changed. Uh, things are different now. The internet is dominating. And the thing about the nature of the internet and the nature of education and also about popularity and things like that, um, information does not actually reign supreme. Uh, the human being is a very easily manipulated thing. Are you and saying not- content isn't king? Content, unfortunately, is king, but content does not mean good content. Um, I've noticed time and time again, there are channels out there. I found one. 
for example, I found one one time as a blonde woman. I had only been making videos for about two years uh, and I had just gotten monetized. Uh, I had about 4,000 subscribers, uh, almost five at that point. Um, and there was this random video that popped up. It was a cobble video of this blonde woman. She did a video on every single Sphorot. And I was like, oh, this can't be good. Most people don't know anything about the Sphorot specifically, not to talk about it for 20 minutes. I watched this video. It was amazing. It was absolutely wonderful. And I was just like flabbergasted, not because it was a lady or anything like that. Don't get me wrong. Just because I, it's hard to find a video on that. It is, you know. <laughs> they weren't it's just talking about Kabbalah, but it was a woman. Oh, you know what I mean. You know I'm just trying I mean. to get you in trouble. Yeah, that's okay. I'm in trouble enough already. Canceled. But the thing is, I saw this video and I was so blown away by how good it was. Um, and, and I watched the whole series and I saw that she had like a couple hundred subs. The videos had maybe like 500 views. And they were four years old at the time, which means now they're probably about six or six years old almost seven years old and i was like how is it that this has happened how is it that this type of material is destroyed by some kid talking about a wikipedia page right because that does happen i've seen literal videos on kabla seat especially like the golem right the golem of prague and it's literally reading the Wikipedia page. And they, they don't admit that. But, I mean, you pull up the Wikipedia page, you listen to the video, it's the same exact thing. And that video has, like, 50,000 views. And everyone's like, wow, you're such a genius. You're so smart. You know so much. And it's like, y'all, you can read your own Wikipedia articles. But you know what the trick was? The video looked good. That's the thing. It looked good. And presentation um, is is the master of the queen, right? Uh, the divine feminine uh, latent within every individual is very, very impressed by presentation. Uh, the receptive nature, so to say, of every individual tends to you know, enjoy these things. Uh, so your average individual who doesn't know anything about the Golem of Prague sees this video and sees this person and thinks, wow, this is like really amazing. Uh, and then you have another person out there, this lady who has unbelievable video and a, a series actually not even just one video a series and is completely ignored and uh that was always something that frustrated me and i remember when i first got into video creation my shittiest worst videos are killers they're monster videos i mean like fifty thousand views and i've started unlisting them and stuff like that because i would just hate them uh, but then uh the videos that look good um started to perform better obviously right because the visual thing was there but also the information quality went up but there's a niche market for that that i think a lot of people don't realize occultism is becoming like every other space right it's sellable it's a commodity almost that you can like package and sell to people you sell a couple of different things you sell either a religious thing like the spiritual component of being like uh saved or what have you like the church does or you sell the desire for mystery that's that's a big one the desire for for mysticism and mystery and the, the general confusion and mystique uh which can be both aesthetic emotional intellectual can, it can touch you on every level so to say uh or 
you simply sell aesthetic outrightly, which is very popular nowadays, in my opinion. I believe selling aesthetic is going to dominate the occult market. Uh, and it started, in my personal opinion, in the witchy community. Now, occultism has always been very big on aesthetics. Just look at our ritual regalia, right? Look at our regalia. Look at our... I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. What are you oh, talking yeah. about? What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. You got your GD stuff with you? That's tight. Oh, I'm, I'm pretty GD, you could say, brother. Yeah, I like that. I, I actually wanted to do uh, HOGD, but we don't have anything out here. But, uh, oh, you too know, bad. We, wait, you don't? You have, you, have, you have all those people. You have Leech in Florida and all those people. They're just like a few hours away from you. Cicero's. Yeah, uh, yeah, but I would have to travel for that. Oh, poor baby. Poor yeah, baby. yeah, I'd have to. We wouldn't want to you park. to have to get in a car or ride a like fi- like five hours. No. Nah, oh Jesus! <laughs> we had to drive from Vancouver to LA. I there was a, uh from ninety nine. From ninety eight ninety nine to two thousand four, I drove from Vancouver to LA thirty plus times in the nineteen eighty five Mercury Grand Marquis, which sucked in the cities but was heaven on the freeway with its big sofas like the plush sofas in the front and back seat it was a boat Mm -hmm. but 15 (laughs) of those times i had to drive from vancouver to la alone to go down Mm -hmm. to temple of isis to not for initiations or anything we had a full we had a full temple here but um yeah so i I have very little sympathy for people who don't want to drive five hours yeah yeah i'm just i'm just you know i'm teasing you oh fuck yeah yeah Yeah, you know i'm messing anyway but uh the regalia is something actually hold on one second okay okay yeah okay back oh yeah and here's my here's my new my new mars sword i've just primered it i have to get my 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 inner order motto engraved i just primered it and i have to get my inner order motto engraved on the blade um and i have a black a couple blacksmith friends in town actually from the old days and i might get one to put the three the third pentagrams here but i also sort of like it just like this i like it just like that and it's got a a thing with a latch and a thing for my so i can actually just wear it on my back mm -hmm. behind me and pull it out for my my work my old sword uh my old sword hilt shattered from my mars sword when temple to hootie fell um it was made of Fimo around a Tai Chi sword that, again, I had engraved my motto on the blade. And after Temple Tehuti was closed and, and the fire department kicked us out of the building after almost 10 years, it was inevitable. It, we, we were on borrowed time. We were using every spirit in the book to keep those firemen from, they would walk into this big temple and they'd look around and they'd be like, okay. And they'd walk in through and see all the other illegal construction of this huge loft, 3,000 square feet temple. And they'd see it all. They'd walk around and they'd be like, okay, see ya. And all good. But eventually there was a year the last year we did no magic for their inspection no magic Uh, i was was too busy in seminary and i was getting married and everyone was very distracted by the drama going on with uh with our order at that time and so no magic was done the fire department came in and just yeah you're out in 30 days and that was uh and that was the end of the temple you know you might appreciate this then i used to have a cup right here oh by the way this is a three-dimensional universal hexagram that's cool yeah i i had a friend so it's a ball for those listening it's a ball with lines on it it looks like nothing but it's actually a three-dimensional unicursal hexagram you can see it at the proper oh yeah 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 that is that is one line uh awesome did you draw that oh no a friend of mine designed it so i had a friend who discovered mathematically how you would draw a three-dimensional unicursal hexagram and so this is actually two of them. This is two 
uh, so it can actually have like the design of the hexagram. Uh, if you do just one, it is essentially a half piece. It, so what it is is the hexagram is on the inside, so to say. Uh, these points, yeah. these little dots you see are the points of where it would intersect internally. Mm -hmm. And uh, the line passes through all the main points in the same pattern. Thereby, you have a single line that represents three-dimensionally a unicrystal hexagram on the outside of a spherical object. If you do two of them, you get this. And uh, it is very, very badass. I love this thing. I just felt like showing that off. Oh, oh okay. Never mind. Uh, yeah. So I used to have a cup right here. So I think you might appreciate that I used to run with my red candle, my cup. There's a feather and some incense in my plant, right? Mm. So that, that was my means of having the four implements in my backdrop without actually having them. Mm. No, like that's my pinnacle. That's my uh, sword, athame, my cup which was literally a cup, right? The silver yeah. goblet that I don't have out right now. And of course the red candle was, it was cheap. That was a cheap way for me to just represent, you know, yeah. the general fires and colorations. I'm very curious about the staff now that you're talking about your backdrop here. Oh, yeah. We weren't going to do a video interview, but then he had such a nice backdrop that we, we hooked it up. Oh God. Yeah. So you got some uh, Malachim. Yeah. Yeah. On yeah. the staff in Hebrew. Yeah, General Malachim. Uh, this is a particular psalm associated with it. Uh, it has my name written into the grips. Uh, I'll eventually stain it. We're and both fans of Hebrew psalms, I see. Yes, I'm a big fan of Hebrew psalms. So this is actually this farot. You can see Kether, oh, yeah. Polkma, Bina, what, Chesed. I'm trying to remember exactly where it starts. I'm pretty sure... This is supposed to be Gaborah. Yeah. I'm almost positive. There's Malkut down there. So what do you use the staff Tiferet, for? Tiferet, hold, yes, hold. Yeah, yeah, okay, this is all of it. Uh, what do I use it for? I use it for my own ritualistic purposes. Uh, the staff is often a representation of Zeron Peen, right? The short face, the active principle of, uh, or the active agency of, uh, magical practices uh, where y'all would have your athame or your sword that essentially would be the same but in the judaic connotations it's associated with different stories like el yahu hanavi or uh moshe uh, moshe rabbeinu right so moses our teacher and uh, elijah the prophet uh, these characters have staves and they use them at particular moments uh, obviously the staff of moses is utilized in uh, the presentation to Pharaoh uh, with the serpent and everything like that. And it's also used by Elijah the prophet to strike uh, to strike water and go up into heaven in a whirlwind. So there is a correlation between uh, there's a correlation between water and rods that uh, a lot of people kind of miss out on. Of course, water being associated with bina or the spernals. So the rod is also the letter Vav, right? Which is called like the nail and everything. So metaphysically speaking, we have an interrelationship between uh, this and that, you know, with the rod, because Vav is used as and, right? Uh, so, you know, uh, like Ve'et means and the. So we have this really cool kind of mystical thing going on in the background of the symbol of just a stick, you know what I mean? So I use a stick to kind of represent uh, my 
involvement in direction of spherothic forms. Now, athame, same situation. You can do the same exact thing with it. Uh, I just don't have a really pretty athame. I have a regular knife. So uh, I plan to get a nice one eventually, but that's that's what that is. It's a ritualistic implement. I love it. It's gorgeous, man. Yeah. yeah and I've, well done. And, I've, and of course, as everyone knows, right, the Nimitzan mask. That is real. That is. Yeah. Yeah. I, a lot I of people don't know that it's real. I didn't aware of you until, uh, until recently when I heard about you being canceled. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I wasn't really, but I before wasn't we really get into that, but I know, sort of. well, obviously you're, you're here right now and you look well. I mean, there's oh, no thank, thank big you. cancel stamp on your forehead. Um, though I'm sure there's pretty few people who would like to tattoo one on it. Um, God knows why, but fuck them. Um, before we move into <laughs> cancel culture, which we should touch on, let's face mm. it. Um, Beha is and the. Ve'et mm. with Aleph Tav is what you're talking about. I, the Aleph Tav is only used to indicate uh, in advance of the direct object of the sentence. So right. the thing it's referring to isn't the direct object for those listening, because this was recently a debate on a GD form and people were talking about the, the you know, I understand the GD interpretation or the, the desire to view Aleph Tav as like the word of spirit because it's the first and last letter of the alphabet synonymous with like alpha and omega. But grammatically, uh, there, like I was taught that the reason every time the word et appears in Hebrew Bible, uh, Aleph Tav, it's to indicate that the thing coming next to it pertains to spirit and is especially of a special import yes now, absolutely my because israeli hebrew bible biblical teacher and my biblical studies professor of aramaic they took issue with that interpretation when i proposed it to them because really? it's it's it, it, it's not true it serves it's just a grammatical function the zohar is, uh, the zohar specifies but as a very special circumstance because uh, that's fascinating isn't it since because yeah. that does not clock with phds include whether they're christian phds of hebrew and aramaic or israeli ones who are jewish so that's an interesting all i can speak is from my experience that's that's an interesting fact uh worth uh, probably a good paper at some point i would i would need to think about it because uh yeah the edge shows up in the zohar i believe for Berger translation it's actually in the first volume first couple of chapters uh, the va'et is used to identify the particular central nature of Zeroimpine because you have to remember at that time they, they, they didn't have a Kabbalistic diagram in the Zohar, so they had to describe it verbally for the most part. Um, so it, it was uh, very striking to kind of see that sort of thing because the, the vav, so et in this particular case represents the creation and the va'et the Vav is the bisector between it. It's the Kav. It's the line of light that runs down from Ein Sulf into Malchut. Uh, so it has a lot of metaphysical symbology there. Uh, I've, I've heard of it being typically uh, a sign of something of high spiritual import. So I didn't know that it ran. But then again, grammatical the, uh, decisions. I had that just cast off when I brought it up. Though I bet if I had known what you just told me, which I didn't know back then in 2002, three when I did my Hebrew and Aramaic, Mm -hmm. I bet if I had mentioned that to them, you know what they probably would have said? Oh yeah, well those those Zoharic mystics did have said a bunch of crazy shit. They probably would have. Yeah, I mean, that probably would have been their answer. I mean, oh, we oh, did. Well, they those did Zohar that. they claim all kinds of stuff, and, and uh, <laughs> there you go. Um, <laughs> I, I wanted to pick up one tangent that we, I, uh, we left off earlier when talking about the development of the Christian Kabbalah, especially um, 
you know, as it was mainly represented by Giovanni Mirandola, you know, he's the one who included the shin in the Yodhe Vavhe to make it a mystical name of Jesus, etc. Yeah. What's recently interesting, and I've said this on some forums and stuff, which I rarely do, but sometimes I'm masochistic, what can I say? Um, yeah, you shouldn't write anything on Facebook. Just don't. Stop. Everyone stop. <laughs> They're deleting all our forums, too. They just deleted my page for my teaching. They just deleted the Google really? forum. Yeah. They're it's a it's a we're looking at a new satanic panic especially with the two murders in england by uh ea quetting's follower um of oh i heard that he sacrificed that. to lucifer refical and then the fact that you know he also has you know whose uh essay in his grimoire collection and i don't want to say whose essay i don't want to throw more wood on that kindling on that fire because we all uh we all love babylon you know what i'm saying Anyway, if you're not aware of that, that's good. But that that we want to we want to try and save our our dear friend in uh, Costa Mesa from any more grief through accidental association with EA Quetting. You'll find out what's going on. Again, I just don't want to say his name in in relation to that. But um, mm -hmm. so the interesting thing that was recently discovered in Jewish scholarship, and I can't remember if it was Dr. Moshe Adel or uh, Elliot Wolfson who noticed this. But the long debate, I'm sure you're aware of the long-standing debate about whether or not Ramon Lull, the blessed Ramon Lull, had any influence of Kabbalah in his development, I believe he's 13th, 14th century, of the spheres, right? He Look, developed this whole thing of the spheres. And it was debated for a long every... time how he came up with that. And then a research paper was recently done, I believe it was Moshe Adel, and he showed that, in fact, Ramon Lull, 100 or 200 years before Mirandola, was getting coached by a Kabbalist, a famous Kabbalist in, in Italy, who was writing him letters in Spain yeah. and explaining Kabbalah to him. He just didn't, couldn't reference anything explicitly Jewish at that time. So we now know that Raymond yeah. Lull, the Christian, was actually the first Christian Kabbalist. And it, that's yeah. fascinating to me to, it, re my, to realize that. My big thing, too, when it comes to Kabbalah, you, you mentioned like this idea of anything that's an expression of Judaism in any way and is devoid of Kabbalah. Uh, the Kabbalistic interpretation of that is that it's impossible. <laughs> it's impossible to, to actually take the Kabbalah out of Judaism because the, the, the received tradition um, is really just the, the grand analysis of the rabbinical sages, right? I mean, uh, on a, in a spiritual context, that's often where many people would take it, the analysis of the rabbinical sages. I mean, I can find Kabbalah in the Mishnah. I can find the Kabbalah in Talmudic law. The, yeah, you the Mishnah is great for Kabbalah, the, the targets. Yeah, you can't really run away from it, which is why I do find it funny. I have had, I've met a couple of Jewish people who uh, really, they're like, oh, that's, that's nonsense. I don't really get into any of that. I think it's stupid or made up or what have you. And I'm like, okay. You know, like I, I, I don't yeah. even try to argue with them. I'm just like, all right. Yeah. But I, I don't understand the logic behind it. I understand from a, a, from a non-Kabbalistic perspective, you can take them apart. But from a Kabbalistic perspective, you absolutely can't. So I've, I've I been think tainted. from a, I'm going to take it a step further. I'm going to go academic on your ass, brother you can take it historically so far back that you could argue that Kabbalah can't be extricated oh. from Judaism because you could also say that you can't extricate Judaism from Zoroastrianism or yeah. from the Babylonian mystery schools that they all were initiated into during the exile. 
Yeah. Right. So the tree of life, as we know, in the Jewish Kabbalistic form, can't be a closed system since they stole it from the Babylonians, uh, along with a lot of their God names like El or Yah, which was E-A written in, in Babylonian. And uh, yeah, so Judaism is already a syncretistic religion in the extreme. And any historian knows that you don't need to go mystical. You don't need to go theological or, or even biblical to, to, to argue the inextricable nature of what became Kabbalah or yeah. even the Merkava or any of these things from Judaism because Judaism itself was, was drawing those things and stealing them from the Babylonians and the uh, Zoroastrians, a lot from Zoroastrianism, which is something that's really not talked about much. I think people aren't actually aware of, of how much Judaism took from Zoroastrianism oh, no, in, in, in Persia. Most people, most people get uncomfortable even thinking about it, yeah. which is fun to me. Well, it seems like the world would rather just let Zoroastrians disappear at this point, along with some other small religious groups. Yeah. And uh, it's a it's a real travesty because all the Zoroastrians I've met, I worked with this <laughs> second year college. My summer, I sold Cutco, and my manager <laughs> was a my manager was a twenty two year old Zoroastrian girl, and we she'd go on calls with me sometimes, training calls, because you know I was trying to make money for grad school, which is exorbitantly expensive in Canada. Mm -hmm. um, especially if you're doing something not funded by, uh, supported by the government, which theology is not supported by the government. It was the year before I started, but after that, it, tuition went up 20 grand a semester, so it stopped being supported. And she would just tell me the most amazing things about Zoroastrianism. I was like, damn, this is a fucking gorgeous religion. Like, you know, uh, I wish sort of more people would be aware of how, uh, of how beautiful it is. Mm -hmm. Anyway. Yeah. But uh, let's just, let's touch on cancel culture before you have to go a bit. Okay. I'm sorry we can't do a full proper long one, but you, I love your knowledge of Kabbalah. You, I, I think you're a great dude, man. We got to talk about we got to talk do a part two to this for sure. Oh, absolutely. Deeper into, deeper into some of this stuff for sure. So for sure. on cancel culture, so uh, many people understand there there was a, a shot. I got I basically took a couple hits. I also threw a couple hits out like an idiot. Uh, my opinion of how to handle most situations is to not engage uh, and don't start them, right? Uh, don't start them, don't engage. Best way to go. Uh, my personal opinion of it, though, is that often it, cancel culture is special because it's not always a fight between two parties or uh, a disagreement or frustration or anything like that between two parties. Sometimes it's just you and the viewer, right? Uh, particularly when it comes to the internet and cancel culture on the internet. Uh, it's you and the populace. Well, why were people coming after you? I think no. I think a lot of people know that people came after you, but they don't know why. I don't know why. Oh, my ex and I had a fight. That's oh, all. this was a proto. This was a fight with your ex. Yeah. You you almost got canceled because of a fight with a personal relationship. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah, but I was fucking up too. Don't get me wrong. In my in my personal opinion, I fucked up by even engaging at all. I should have just uh. I should have just walked away from the beginning. Uh, there was a lot of like ridiculous accusations of it at the end, and uh, it was just I don't know. It was sloppy. It was a mess. I learned. So I'll tell you. I'll tell you what really kicked it off. Uh, I was having my own personal issues, and then as the word started to get around, um, there's a lot of people who showed up that just fucking hate, like hate you know certain people and it, it really surprised me and they uh sent showed me like so many things that i just honestly like i was surprised i was disappointed that's the best way for me to put it i was disappointed 
and uh yeah man and uh this uh particular viewer and i were talking and and he you know was chatting with me about it and then he sent me something and uh it was a template for a uh for a meme and i was like wow all right so there is a meme video it's hidden now because i i killed the drama off pretty quick like a meme video of you yes i'll, I'll show so this it is you. this is something people do so it's like this is the first time I've ever actually heard the phrase a template for a meme. Yeah, it was I have literally never heard that it phrase. Was, before, but it I, was I, a I, it was a concept. It was a concept piece. So it's for people to fill in so that they can produce multiple versions of the same nasty thing about you? Oh no no no. It, it was not bad about me. Oh. It was it was the inversion of that. It bad was, about someone was, else, about your yeah, it was a promotional for me, yeah. To uh, promote it, to fight so man well, yeah why is it was so mean these days should we should we talk about that maybe is that a better well, like should we spiritualize this rather than stay focused on your your what people what? didn't know um is that within a month after all this back and forth and like some people trying to make really like some people were genuinely affected i'll admit they were like surprised because i'm known as a very nice person so seeing me not being nice was probably pretty weird for them um another thing is that sitting there and and coming out you know i eventually after about a month was diagnosed as bipolar right so a lot of people didn't you know weren't expecting that i haven't actually told anyone aside from in private so this is i guess the public reveal that's what happened uh, i am now medicated for bipolar which would explain a lot of my general fluctuations so it was a whole ordeal uh what what it really was so, cause some people think it's a canceling. Some people think it was a fight, this and that. And I know I'm kind of summarizing it under these terms, but what it really was, was more of an ostracization. I'm having trouble saying that. I was ostracized essentially uh, <laughs> over. So I had my first breakdown. Uh, it caught a lot of people off guard. I was ostracized. And uh, after that, it just got worse. And uh, everything was fine uh, for a while, and then uh, slowly but surely, people started taking like little pot shots at me. Um, it was nothing big, you know. People were just taking little pot shots at me, and then that's when all the people who like really, you know, take issue with that sort of thing, you know, came forward. And one person in particular, uh, no, actually, it was a couple people in particular, showed me you know, a bunch of stuff. They were like, yeah, this, this happened, this happened, this happened. And this is, well, you know, a certain truth. And I'm not going to share those truths. And uh, I just couldn't believe it. You know, I was really blown away. Uh, it, it, it's really more of a sad situation than a good one. To be honest with you, it, it's really more of a sad situation than, than some sort of entertaining fight or anything like that. Um, it, which explains for many people who don't know, explains why I took the meme down, why I took all the stuff down. It's because at the end of the day, I'm going to really just kind of like watch people do whatever it is that they want to do. I don't have any stake or care about the situation anymore, and I've been glad to get away from it. Uh, I am not meant to be that type of individual. I don't sit in the background and pre-plan things or anything like that. I, I tend to speak directly from mind out. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't really consider myself a conniving individual. So uh, just very blunt it is basically just a bickerment. It was an issue between me and uh, her and her circle of friends. Well, I mean, they weren't really involved, but they like to think that they were. Uh, and uh, yeah, 
and uh, canceling, the canceling was the false accusations. That that was the part where it attempted. It, it was made to look as if it was a cancellation, which fortunately it didn't really affect me at all. I think many people saw right through it. Uh, so, yeah, it was the whole thing. Well, in, in influencer terms, it was definitely uh, on a num numerical basis, sort of punching down, right? Well, like if you have it, like all these hordes of people, if you have it, like you have yeah. a lot of fans, but if someone has even more fans and then they just go after you, it's it's well, it's, they, uh, they didn't at the sort time, of like though. bullying, it sounds like. Yeah, I mean, well, it was at that point, yeah. um, but they yeah. didn't at the time. So the thing is, uh, when her and I started dating, she had like 6,000 subscribers, you know, and I had 12,000 something. Uh, and then I got up to 13 and she started growing pretty rapidly, which was great. I mean, I, I yeah. took no issue with that. I was pretty happy for her. Uh, yeah. But then come to the close of that whole situation, uh, then they passed me, right? So they did, they passed me after the fact. And I did take a hit because of the friend circle loss. So that was the big thing. Yeah. Now, granted, I really didn't lose anyone of quality. Uh, the vast majority of people um, who stuck around, who watch both their content and my content, essentially say they go to them for beginner material and they come to me when they want to learn something, which is great. Yeah. I'm, I'm totally okay with that. That's what I tell people when they ask me what I think of Frater Xavier. Yeah. Oh, gosh. But yeah, I don't... I say he's a great place to start. I don't... Uh, <laughs> I mean, I haven't really listened to a lot of the stuff, but we both released a Godform thing at the same time. And people are like, how could you just do this right after this guy did it? I'm like, Who's oh, that guy? don't don't worry yeah, about people that. are saying that yeah, and i was like but that. i was like i don't i've never heard of this person they're like how can you not have heard of the most important magical teacher on youtube i'm like well, i'm not on youtube to learn magic yeah <laughs> i'm here to give very like i offer very short concise instructionals you know what i mean yeah that, are, yeah. that represent my tradition so like if you go to someone who's from a different tradition, you're going to get a very different viewpoint of view. But if you want to get like the GD perspective on this, that's done in a scholarly way, that's what I try to do. I, I don't say, you know, hey, there's a lot of ways to do this, but here's my way or here's the right one. I like to show people all the different ways of doing things. So I have a very different approach to these things. See, I really respect that because I try to do that as well. Uh, I it's try more to... helpful. It's more helpful. Yeah. More helpful. You, you want to speak to everyone on their level. Oh, that dog is going crazy. But I feel like it's good to speak to people on their level with a particular style that they're associated with. So that way you can blend them. Uh, you don't merge them together, but you show the comparisons and how each one's a little different. And it'll give them a wider understanding of the subject matter, in my opinion, which is why it's good to learn Hermetic, Judaic, uh, even Thelemic Kabbalah. Thelemic Kabbalah and Hermetic Kabbalah are not the same, y'all. Uh, they're very, very similar. But there are some differences in philosophy that show up. Well, I think you could still call Thelemic Kabbalah Hermetic kabbalah you can but, yeah but there but is not there's the same tweaks. as gd oh yeah crowley gd they all had their own little models of path allocation stuff like that and you know a lot of people uh believe levy never uh practiced at all really yeah that would be interesting that's the thing about him i and i don't know if there's any proof that he practiced from reading him it just seems to me that he must have practiced a he, little but maybe yeah. he didn't maybe he didn't I, I don't know. I mean, that's that's not a that's not a that's for a historian to answer. Yeah, <laughs> let's get a real answer on that one. But hey, look, uh, it's yeah. about time for me to run. Absolutely. Uh, look, I had an amazing time. 
you're really easy to talk with. You're really fun to talk to and you have a ton of insights. Also, I love your GD stuff. We should chat about that sometime. Yeah. Uh, and, and I hope that you will invite me back for a part two. You just say when. And uh, yeah, right. we'll, do a, we'll do a personal uh, Zoom show and tell for each other and maybe share some uh, ritual tips. All right. Well, I mean, if I have any good ones, I can do my Judaic stuff. We'll see. <laughs> River, the Nemeton. Thank you. Promote me to your fans so I can hit a thousand subscribers on YouTube and be allowed to live stream. I got your back. All right, brother. Much All love. Right. Shalom. Shalom. <laughs> have a good one. Hermetic Science Enterprises is a publishing company based in Scotland, UK, that specializes in Western esoteric printed literature as well as educational videos. With various imprints under its belt, its roster consists of grimoire tradition literature, alchemical works, Golden Dawn tradition books, and the several texts and videos originally belonging to the philosophers of nature. Besides its downloadable videos and standard hardcover edition books, Hermetic Science Enterprises also produces beautiful and precious limited fine edition books that are true pieces of art. For more information to order any of its products, please visit www.hermeticscienceenterprises.co.uk. That's hermeticscienceenterprises.co.uk. And as a lot of you know, I've uh, talked with the publisher Lenny on the podcast before, including a six-hour epic uh, extended version on the Patreon, and uh, seen the fine edition of his new grimoire of Scott's Discovery of Witchcraft, which is only available for purchase up to 50 limited copies uh, till the end of May, I believe. So check it out now. HermeticScienceEnterprises.co.uk